Have you ever had one of those days, one of those moments in your life, which is the, I can't believe this is happening? raced in 95 degree weather, 60 degrees, freezing cold, everything but an earthquake and snow is the only thing that's missing right now. I can tell you what that's done to make me mentally tough, I could not have had without those experiences. Some good things are going to happen to you tomorrow, but they're not going to last. I thought, well, that's inspirational. Thank you. I really don't have to carry that with me. But then he said, some bad things are going to happen to you, and they're not going to last either. like stories which of course if you're listening to this you probably do because you know that the podcast is all about having people tell their stories then you're going to love Michael Bryant Michael spent the better part of the last 40 years doing what he loves and problem solving and understanding that he is very unique just like each of us because you are the only you that has ever been created you're going to find this really heartfelt, very loving, very caring. And I think you're just going to enjoy the several stories that Michael tells that are great analogies to living life and overcoming and doing the things that you want to do in your life to be happy. Soak up all the wisdom and the joy from Michael Bryant. All right, Michael Bryant. I am pumped to have you on, man. Thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, your daughter was on yesterday and she gave a great performance with her. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Rachel, yeah. Rachel's amazing. We had a great- Isn't she though? Yes, yes. She with is. her with her truck, with her truck story. Yeah, she was telling me a little, she didn't share too much about it on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, but, the truck one. <laughs> but she uh, was glowing about you and- you know, um, as her dad. And that's such a nice thing, you know? Yeah, it did. Yeah. I'm a fan of hers too. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How have you been we're, through we're all this, kids. man? How you been through all this? Oh, not bad. Not, not bad at all. Cause you know what happens is people, uh, adapt and adjust. I, I love this word. People have been throwing around like a hand grenade, you know, the new normal. Um, uh, yes. there's lots of new normals. You know, when you get married, it's a new normal. When you have kids, it's a new normal. When you move, when you start a business, the only difference between this one is that there's no adult alive from 1918 to tell us about it. You know, right. all the other ones, we can go to somebody, but what happens is, you know, we're in, we're incredibly adaptable creatures. So, you know, now the norm is you put on your mask when you go to the store. It's just the, just the new normal. You know, people adapt and adjust. And it's a great opportunity to move from being human 
doings back to human beings. That's one of the nice things about this. It's it's kind of forced people out of their out of their routines and it's caused people to kind of take a pause. So in in that way I think it's it's not good that it's happening, but there are good things to be learned from it. I think that's the that's the thing for people to recognize is you can be sensitive about um, the toll that it's taken and the deaths and the sicknesses, but also say, Hey, you know, there, let's look at this. Maybe there's a way of like redoing some things, uh, when something, an intervention comes in on some, on some level like this. Yes. Yes. I, you know, it, it takes me back to one of my, uh, one of my, one of my stories from, uh, from Iron Man. um, in my in my in my first race in uh, in 2006, I did my first Ironman. I decided that 56 was a good time to start going into endurance athletes. I just I thought that was probably you know <laughs> yeah why not why, why not I mean everybody else has chalked it up years ago. I thought I'd get warmed up. I'm um, we have a house up in the Adirondack Mountains near Lake Placid, and so um, the Lake Placid Ironmans where I've done all all six of these. So. Um, I decided since I was going to do this, this insane, you know, 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike, then a marathon, I, I thought it might be a good idea to start working a little bit harder at my physical conditioning than I was. And so <laughs> um, it, I decided to go for a swim in the lake where the race is held, it's Mirror Lake. And the swim is 2.4 miles and each one of the, it's a rectangular course and they call it a loop. So I thought, well, I'll go out and do a loop. I think I'll do a loop. This was in August, uh, the the summer before I was going to do the race. It was it was one of those, you know, not a good beach day, kind of overcast, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of people around. And so into my wetsuit, I go, I hop in the water, you know, I'm in the water, I'm wet, you know, all of a sudden I know I'm kind of wetter and I stop and I look up and it's raining. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's raining, you know, mm-hmm. it's just wet. As I swim a little more, I notice like it's really raining. I'm in the middle of the lake, like in, you know, near nothing. And I can see in the distance, the town and people are kind of scurrying for cover and everything because it's really starting to become a downpour. I take a second and stare at the mountain range right in front of me. And I see this very dark cloud moving in very, very quickly. And I begin to get a little concerned. I get much more concerned um, when I hear thunder. And I said, oh, it's about time to, to break off and get out of there. I looked at the end of the lake. I saw lightning hit the lake. I said, it's time to go right oh. now. And I break off my swim and, and I start swimming towards shore. I hear a second crack. My right calf knots up and then pew, right through the top of my head. I said, you mm. just got hit. Lightning just hit the lake and it went right through you. Now, that was in many ways sort of what's happening right now. So this change came out of nowhere. I had not anticipated this. I had not expected it. Just like we didn't expect everything that's happened right now. Nobody could have foreseen this thing three or four months ago. But here I am, sort of like here we are right now. So what do you do? So the first thing I did is I said, okay, I need a plan. Um now, I had been a water safety instructor in high school and college. First of all, I should know better that you don't go out in the water <laughs> by yourself, but that's another story. Sure. But here I am, you know, you know, we kind of have to deal with the situation that we're in when we're in it. So I said, okay, I'm going to have a plan. 
So my plan is going to be, I'm going to, because I can still swim, I'm going to um, tread water and scream at the top of my lungs to see if somebody can come out and get me. Um, and I'm going to put my head down, and then I'm going to swim some more. Then I'm going to swim, scream, swim, scream, swim, scream. And one of three things is going to happen. I'm either going to reach the shore, somebody's going to come get me, or I'm going to get hit. And 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 I really didn't have time to think about any other alternatives. So as as fate would have it, there were some young ladies who were taking um, boats out of the water because it got pretty choppy, among other things. And um, they saw me out there, and they brought out two uh, two man kayaks um, and got me out of the water. Um, and so I was able to sort of not have to endure that experience much longer. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, change happens all of a sudden to any of us. It happened to be lightning in that case. Um, the second thing that happens is when it happens, like what's your plan? And I think what's happened now for people is a lot of people's lives might have been on automatic pilot. And what this did is this has shaken that up and it's given us an opportunity to do one of two things. One is to basically remember what we always control. It doesn't matter what's happening around us. We control two things, how we respond to circumstances and how we treat other people. No one ever gets to decide those. No circumstance ever has control over that. So in the case of being in the water, it was, well, what's my plan? And in this case, it was what I what I just mentioned. And now, you know, you have an opportunity to do a lot of things. You know, we don't know for many people what work's going to look like when they go back. There's, there's all kind of guesstimates about it, but nobody really sure. knows. But this is a great opportunity to say, um, you know, do I really want to do what I'm doing? You know, do I want to do what I'm doing in a different way? Do I want to do what I'm doing plus something else? You know, my goal from the very beginning, when I started my business 40 years ago, I started with with what at the time I, I thought was kind of an unusual goal. I said, I'm not going to try to have a successful career. I'm going to strive for an effective life. I want I want a, a life that's going to basically contain the components that I want to have in my I want my life to work. And part of that was going to be having work that I that I enjoy, but it wasn't the only thing. Sometimes this is an opportunity for people to ask those kind of questions. You know, what do I what do I want next with my life? I mean, what do I want my life to look like? You know, not just work. So it's a great opportunity to be able to say, am I going to just react to what's going on or am I going to respond to what's going on? And so those are some kinds of things. And I would say probably one other thing I would add is the other thing that I learned out in the middle of that lake was, you know, we need help. You know, no, yeah. nobody that I've ever met has gone through anything of significance alone. I, I love the phrase, I'm a self-made person. I'm like, really? So you wrote the <laughs> books that you read. That's amazing. Like, really? I mean, you know, we're interdependent beings. And so, you know, I certainly am going to try to get as much help as possible. So this is a great opportunity for people to reach out. And it's not really about connecting. We are connection. We don't connect. We are connection at our core. From the moment you and I were created, we were connected by an umbilical cord. We've been in connection since we've existed. So, you know, without connection, then that's when our lives really don't seem to be kind of working oftentimes as well as they might. So there's some great things to learn from 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 this right now. And, and it's really the, I'm going to say, am I going to 
take an opportunity from this. I'm going to learn from this um, or I'm going to react to this. You know, so, you know, we have some great choices here. Yeah, I think there's a lot of great choices. And by the way, great story as an oh, analogy. To, uh, <laughs> well, I want to know what happened. What happened to you? Did you get rescued or what happened? Well, so they came out and got me in the two man. They basically said, are you OK? I said, yeah, I prefer to get out. And so they came. They took me to the shore. I got out of the water. I called my wife. She said, what happened? I said, I hit by lightning. Are you OK? I think so. Um, I went in and changed my clothes. I came out. They didn't know that I had been rescued. The lake is surrounded. EMT, cops, a crowd. I had to go over and tap the cop on the shoulder and say, everybody can go home. So it was It was an amazing experience. And when you have something like that, you know, you know first of all, it's a great story now that it hasn't happened again, now that it's yeah. not happening anymore. But I figure you better learn something from that. You know, I, I think, you know, I think the way life works is if you don't learn the lesson, you have to repeat the grade. And I would prefer not to have to repeat that one. So, you know, um, I think there's lessons to be learned in all those kinds of things. So what precipitated, what was the reason at 56 to start um, Ironmans? By the way, I know you have a birthday coming up, I was told. So happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I, yes, I, was, I'm ex I was really excited for this year because I aging up in my age group and I was going to be the baby in the 70 to 74 age group. You know, baby. unfortunately the races have been canceled for this year, but that's okay. I'll just be a yeah. toddler at 71 next year. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah. So, so, so this is what happens. So I, I have an athletic background. I was an athlete in high school and college and I was a collegiate uh, wrestler. And when I got out of, when I got out of um, college, there's not much you can do with that sport. You can't have like a pickup wrestling match. It's not like softball. Of course. Or yeah. So um, the only thing I could do when I was wrestling that I could do after wrestling was to run because it had to, had to run to, to keep your weight off. And so I became a runner. And in um, 1985, I was at a friend's house and triathlons had just started. They had started in California in the late seventies. And, and the only one anybody hadn't heard about was Ironman. And of course I wasn't going to do that because that was for lunatics. And, um, <laughs> the race director was there and she told me about a shorter distance, uh, an Olympic distance, a mile swim, 25 mile bike, um, 10 K run. You know what I like to do that. I said, well, how many days do you have? She said, no, you do it once. I said, I'll die. She said, no, you won't die. And so <laughs> I did it and I didn't die. And I got really involved in that sport for about seven or eight years. But what happened was the series that I was competing in left town. It, they stopped having the race and there weren't a lot of races at these shorter distances. So I went back to my, uh, running again, marathon, got the marathons. And then um, you know, meanwhile, back at the ranch, we, we bought this house up in outside of Lake Placid. I just want to be part of the community. So I volunteered for the, to help out during the race. And one of the things you do when you volunteer is you go in and watch the last two hours of the race. You know, it's, a, it's, a, you have up to 17 hours to finish. So this is the 10 o'clock to midnight crowd. And these are people that you see on main street. These are see people you see walking around. These do not look like the kind of people physically that would finish one of these things. And I thought, this is just incredible. It was the most moving experience. Well, I don't like to watch, like, I don't like parades because I don't like to watch. And I just said, I'm doing this, having absolutely no idea what I was talking about. I mean, I know what I was doing. I mean, and you know, you know, t um, when I did the first one, 
Um, ten weeks before the race, I'd never ridden a bike more than 35 miles in my entire life. If there had been a fourth discipline called rehab, I would have smoked it because that was basically <laughs> just going from one overuse injury to the next. Right. Um, I ended up getting a professional triathlete to coach me. You know, she was clearly on a mission impossible. But, you know, it's an amazing kind of thing that speaks to possibility thinking. I had decided off the top of my naive head that I would do this Olympic distance. Then I would do a half Ironman, which is just half the distance of each of these things. And then I would do a full Ironman all in one year at the age of 56, having no idea what I was doing. And when I finished that, I said to her, what made you think I could do this? She said, I had no idea if you could do it, but you had a plan and thought you could. Who was I to tell you you couldn't? And that's the other reason for this, because in, you know, in my work, I'm basically um, an executive coach and you could call me an unstucker. You know, when people come to me, they're stuck in all kinds of parts of their life. It might be where they're going to go next in their career. It might be their confidence level. It might be their ability to communicate effectively with other people. Um, It might be people at the top. It really is lonely at the top. That's not just a euphemism. And people just don't know what to do next. And I'm in the business of getting people to stretch and go outside their comfort zone. Because one of the things I've found is that as we age developmentally, we become more risk averse. We basically have a never-ending, never, always narrowing comfort zone. We want to try new things less and less. We want to sit in the same seat. We want to be around the same people. We want to eat the same food. And so I thought, you know what? If I'm going to ask people to stretch, I need to keep myself honest. So I decided years ago that I would do one thing a year that would have two qualities. One, it would be very exciting, and the other would scare me half out of my mind. So, you know, I I had done things like, you know, walk on hot coals. Um, I mean, I did one year I, I basically repaired, a, you know, a, um, a really important relationship that had been damaged. That was kind of scary right. to do. Yeah. And so I thought, well, this will just fit in perfectly. I mean, this <laughs> is this is beyond scary. This is ludicrous. I mean, yeah, we're ready to do that. So those were kind of my 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 sort of my dual motivations. One was the fact that I just, I saw the experience and I said, I have to have that. I want that experience, you know, because people often ask me, why would you go out there and spend, I mean, it's, it's months and months of training. Um, it's, you know, dealing with all kinds of, it's, it's not if you're going to have a physical, physical issue, it's what you're going to do when you have it. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's just, you know, and I have a whole, I mean, you talk about it takes a village to raise a child. I mean, I got a whole army of people that work on me, keeping me going. Yeah. And, and so I, I looked at this and I said, you know, if this is going to, if this is going to be something that, that is going to be your kind of go-to and you really need to have kind of a model that says, you know, I want to have that experience. And the thing that I couldn't have imagined that is just so wonderful is that people say, why do you do this? Why spend all this time? I say the last hundred yards are absolute magic. I mean, how many adults have magic in their life? Children know magic. Oh, true. But ma- magic. I mean, it is an absolute out of body. I can't believe this is here. It's just and it's just a, a state of joyfulness that's just unbelievable. And it's, I mean, and also, you know, we've learned it now, but we hadn't had it for a long time. Adults up until the um, 
the, the, the sort of um, stay-at-home kinds of behaviors and policies and things, um, adults were suddenly forced back into the um, present again, where adults spend very little time. The average adult, um, as you age, the reason that time goes faster, it really doesn't. It goes as fast as it ever did. The reason that it seems to go faster as we age is we spend most of our time in the future thinking about what we're going to do and sometime in the past thinking about what we should have done. And we tend to we tend to miss the present, which is a handy place because it's the only one that's real. All the other ones are made <laughs> up in our head. And so, you know, if you notice when the when 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 the when the first sort of staying at home began to happen to people, there was this really weird morphing of time. Like the month of March and April for some people were about like, you know, 10 years because right. every day you're there because, you you know, your routine has been taken from you. And so that's the other thing about the race that I love so much is that I'm I'm just there. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just present. It's a, it's a, it's basically a problem solving day. You know, it's just one issue to solve after another. Um, if I could tell another story very briefly. Please, as many um, stories. This uh, is wonderful. The, 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 this one was, so 2006, I'm like, this is so cool. I have to do it again. You know, so, you know, yeah. they have a, a phrase in the sport. You either do one or you are one. You know, you actually, you know, well, you know, I mean, it becomes like, it becomes like a part of your identity at a certain point. Mm. Like, do you want to have the experience? Well, I wanted to have the experience, but I didn't know what I was getting into. I mean, you can't really know. And so 2008, I said, I have to do this again. This is just too cool. You know, it's going to be like the 10th anniversary of the race. I want to be a part of this. It's going to be amazing. Um, get up in the morning. It's, uh, it's raining. Well, Two years before, I freaked out because it was raining during the swim. The sun came out and it was a beautiful day. And I'm like, okay, what's, you know, it's going to rain. What's the worst that can happen? Lightning will strike. Well, it'll kill 2,500 people. At least you'll die among friends today. So, you know, it's uh, be a different kind of day. So um, I come out of the water. It's still raining, but you're just wet. I go into the tent to change it for the bike. It's a quagmire. I sink into mud like, you know, nine inches or something. And, um, and so then I, um, are you here? Oh yeah. Okay. So then, so then, um, um, I get on the bike, it's pouring. I mean, you know how like the, when the, it's so bad that you have to pull off the road because it's raining that hard. It was yeah, like that it happened a few times in my life. Yeah. yeah. And, and what happens is it feels like somebody is throwing pebbles on you because it's the water bouncing off of the pavement. I mean, it's miserable. I mean, it's like, you know, and, you know, and I'm about, you know, five five and a half and 130 pounds sopping wet and you know and i mean it's kind of like you're raising in your underwear basically or something right. i mean it's kind of insanity and you're out there and you know it's pouring rain but that's okay because it's 60 degrees and i'm freezing and and it's the most miserable day of my life i i you know by the skin of my teeth um finish the bike because there are cutoffs during the race you have a, you have a certain amount of time to give, go for the first 56 miles then the second 56 miles and yeah. if you don't make these cutoffs they pull you out of the race your day's over with i start on the run it's never going to stop i mean it ends up raining like five and a half inches in 13 hours it's just insanity um i go out for the second loop of the marathon which is really difficult. I, I had stopped into town because they, they have what's called a special needs bag where you can change into other other kinds of things. Like that's going to do a lot of good. Like I'm not soaking oh, yeah, wet anyway. Exactly. I said to my wife, I don't know if I'm going to finish. I'm not going to quit. 
I go out to finish the run. I'm now, I'm toast. I've had it. I mean, I, I'm, my body's shot. I've spent so much energy trying to stay warm and, and get enough caloric intake. And it's just, I mean, I've got maybe an hour and a half left and I'm about seven miles away. My miles will have been 70 miles out and I'm walking. It stopped raining, but I think it's going to rain forever, even though the stars are out, because by now I'm hallucinating and out of my mind. Um, <laughs> right. And they put signs out. It's amazing how you'll have these moments in your life where these seemingly random events will come together at one time and they can make you know a change. Because as we know about change, change happens in a second. You know, the, you know, the decision happens yeah. in like a nanosecond. The Steps leading up to it may take a while, but the decision itself is just like snapping your fingers, really. So I saw a sign. The race is held on a Sunday, and the sign simply said, don't make a decision today you'll regret on Monday. Meaning that, you know, um, as, as Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers, once said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Yes. And, you know, it basically, the point of the, the, the sign was, you know, you're going to be rested tomorrow. You're going to think differently. And I was in danger of falling into one of the three what I call unresourceful states. Fear, anger, and fatigue are unresourceful places to go, not good places mm. to try to make decisions. So um, I was desperately trying to come up with a plan, and, and I couldn't think of one yet. Um, I My coach at the time I had said to her, do you think I'm going to finish? Oh, because among other things, of course, my now I'm 58, but that's okay because I had had for six weeks tendonitis in both knees. So I really couldn't train all that much. But at 58, you don't really need to train much. You can, of course, just show up at 58. <laughs> so so um, I was already undertrained for this nonsense. And I said to my coach, do you think I can finish? And all she said to me is, if you want to, you will. The last thing that happened, though, and this really was the thing that really, I think, helped me the most that I've carried with me since then. We'd gone to a church service the night before, and the priest that was speaking was an Iron Man. He said, some good things are going to happen to you tomorrow, but they're not going to last. I thought, well, that was inspirational. Thank you for that. <laughs> Carry that with me. Thank All you right. so much for that. Thanks, man. Yeah. Exactly. But he stopped and he said, but some bad things are going to happen to you, and they're not going to last either. Mm. And I hung on to that for dear life. And I said, okay, let's get away out of this. But I needed one more little push, and this was the one that really sent me over the top. As it turns out, I had heard this for years but had never personally experienced it. There is a vehicle that comes on the bike course and the run mm -hmm. course, the trailing vehicle. And if you're not going to make the cutoff, it takes you off the course. I saw the vehicle. And I looked at this car. I, it was an out and back. It was going out. I was coming back. So yeah. I had probably a two or three mile lead on it. I looked at that and I simply said, I don't think so. No, nope, that's not happening. I don't know what's going to happen, but that's not happening. I have not been out here all this time, putting all of this, gone through all of this. That's not going to happen. Here came my plan. And a lot of times what a plan is, is just making a small decision. Not a big one. Not a big one. You know, people will oftentimes, you know, so, you know, I've had conversations with lots of people during this thing. And it's like, well, how do you get yourself motivated to get things done each day? Because so much of the structure of our day has been taken away. And I just say to them, just set little goals, just little ones. So I set a little goal. There were two people in front of me that I could reach. And I said, let's go get them. Right. And um, I caught them. Not running yet, but I'm moving a little bit more than I was. I saw five more. I said, go get them. On and on I went picking people up. I think I probably 
picked off about maybe 35 people or so. And I finished with about 14 minutes to spare, but I finished. Yeah. When you have an experience like that, when you have been forced to go inside of yourself to a place you didn't even know you had, you own that and you own that forever. And that is just an, you know, nothing grows without resistance. Well, I don't know if I need that much resistance, but I mean, with it, I got a comparable kind of growth, which has just been amazing. I mean, these races over the years, as I did each one, you know, each one of these have given me opportunities to become more and more mentally tough. My ability to focus and block things out is just like a, it's like it's like a it's like a muscle that I've built up that I just didn't have before this that I have now. And you know, my many of my favorite races are the ones that are the ones that were most difficult. You know, because I learned so much. You know, what's interesting is I, I have a very similar mindset and I was fortunate um, most of my life growing up and being a collegiate athlete myself, I was mm -hmm. always in situations where right. I was pushed physically mm -hmm. and mentally yes. and just day after day, incredibly, especially with running and track and field, which is the sport mm -hmm. I was in, just constant pain, yes. regularly pushing yourself to the limit yes. and regularly being in that moment mm -hmm. where you were like, I'm either finishing this or I'm quitting. Right. And I have held, I have felt that sensation so many times in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. I like it <laughs> because mm -hmm. it makes me alive and it makes me say, hey, this is where I can really, this is where I become a champion right mm -hmm. here. Yes. And I also yes. carry that with me now. Still, when I work out or I try to purposely put myself in situations where I am tested, I am mm -hmm. tested. Yes. It sounds like you're saying a similar thing. Very much so. It's interesting. I, I love your analogy because what happens is when we train, we are we are consciously, purposely um, stressing our system. We're knowingly doing it. We're, we're, yes. we're choosing. It's a choice we make. So if I decide that I'm going to – oh, and it depends on what my focus is going to be. Let's say I go out on my bike and I'm going to have one of two focuses. One, one may be um, that I, I, I just want to go um, – uh, aerobic. Another may be that I'm going to just be doing some some strength, so I'll be doing hills or something yeah. like that. It's a choice that I make, and you know, and what and what happens in that process is, is the the process of of um, of, of of stress recovery and adaptation. Yes. So I you know I I go out first and I choose to so I stress my system, and you know. Um, certainly at a certain point, I, I, I like to be able to go at least a little anaerobic each time I work mm -hmm. out. And so, um, then I'll come back and I'll have some recovery time. You know, if, you know, if, if, you know, there's, you know, when, if, if, if you pile it on too much, that's how you get injured. Yeah, and so, so I'll do something different on the next day. One of the things I love about the sport, I have three things to choose from. Well, two right now with the swimming, but that will be back. Yeah. And then what happens and then there, then, then I adapt to that. And so basically what I've done is I basically built more capacity. So the next time I go out, I can put a little bit more demand. Well, that's what happens to you mentally and emotionally when you stress yourself is you build capacity. So the next time you have a challenge or something to deal with, you simply have more tools in the tool shed 
that you built by overcoming these particular things. And every time that happens, you just have a, just another an, an, another little idea, another little option. And, you know, when I, when I think about confidence, confidence to me is a byproduct of options. The more options you have to do anything, the more confident you're likely to feel. I will often tell people when they come to me and they're stuck in that area, they just don't have a lot of confidence. I'll say, okay, let's list, let's list all the things you could do. Even things that you wouldn't do, but, right. but but you could, you know, I'm not happy with my job right now. Okay, you could quit today. I'm not going to quit. I, I know what you could. And right, the an longer option. the list is, the more confidence you have because all of a sudden you begin to say, oh, I could do that, but I'm just choosing not to. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, but I actually have more choices than I thought I did. So, you know, I tend to kind of keep the words. There's not a lot of things I have to do. Like I have to breathe, you know, I, I have to eat. But most of the things are things I choose to do. Yeah. You know, no, I may choose to do it for very logical reasons, you know. Yeah. You know, but but they are choices, you know, because I don't the, the victim state doesn't work real well for me. It's it's not a yeah. it's a very unresourceful place to go. And, you know, I kind of try to I not really but I mean, I've had I've had a few down days with this whole thing. I, I had a couple of days where it was, you know, really rough and I just you know, my wife was looking at me like, you know, when you find my husband, could you ask him to come home? Bring please? him back. I don't, know, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you snuck in this house. Where's I'm Michael? Really, yeah, really. I'm, I'm really an upbeat, optimistic guy. And so I, I basically put myself through the process I would put anybody else through. And I said, well, how would you like to feel? You know, you, you take the idea of um, if it was just right, what would it look like? I think it's a great question to ask ourselves when we're stuck. Mm. If it was just right. What would it look like? You know, what, if, if Santa left everything under the tree, what would you be getting? What would you give have the whole thing? What would it look like? You know, and I said, well, it wouldn't look like this. And I said, well, how would you feel? And I said, well, I, you know, I feel focused. I'd feel purposeful. You know, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd feel optimistic and positive. I'm like, OK, so. Success leaves clues. Let's talk about a time when you have been there. And and for me, it's easy. I can, you know, I can I can go to my races. I can go to, you know, I can, you know, I can go to all kinds of things. I can go to relationships. Okay, then I'll describe myself. And then at that point, that's when you begin to make the shift because now you have a plan. And I think when you have a plan that you can execute. That, that you can execute that um that you that you will actually participate in then i think that's how you begin sort of moving yourself in the direction you want to go in so you know i get up each day and i expect it to be a good day i expect yeah. it to be good you know yeah. which means then that i i turn on a part of my brain called the reticular activating system that's now looking for the things i told it to do i mean our you know our brains work for us they just do what we say when somebody says I don't think that's going to work. I'll say, well, probably won't. Why do you mean that? Well, because you set the goal for it <laughs> not to work. I mean, you work. know, it's like <laughs> your brain will do whatever you ask it to do. And then at the end of the day, I like to go back and I say, well, what good things happened today? You know, yeah. I mean, those are things. I find things each day to look forward to. You know, th totally. this was easy because I knew we were going to talk today and I was really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And you know what's interesting is, I, I have really clung on to this. I actually wrote it down, the kind of this word adult magic. 
Mm-hmm. And I would like you to speak more about that. And you had mentioned about how adults don't have that magic anymore. Kids have it. Right. And ways that we, beyond just, um, you know, I know, I know that feeling, finishing, finishing something physical and like that last part. And you're like, oh my gosh, this euphoria, you know, yes. like, how do you manifest that in other aspects to create that magic? By doing two things. First of all, to turn back on your curiosity basically to become um, just very curious about the world around you. And the second thing is to begin to look at the world with a lens of wonder, to be able to look at this. I, I, you know, you know, I, one of the things I know we experienced when we really couldn't go anywhere and this thing was all getting shut down. Um, I remember just getting up one morning and just saying to my wife, Look at the sun. Isn't that like incredible? A beautiful morning. Yeah. I mean, it's just beautiful outside. And it's those little tiny things. Think about, you know, think about children and how exciting. You know, we have, um, you know, so so four of my geniuses that I go to are are, are four grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, you know, my our two-year-old, he's just, everything is exciting to him. <laughs> everything I mean, playing with a truck and it, it doesn't have one wheel that's like amazing so it's the the ability to be able to do two things number one to be able to see the little things that you have been missing which means you just need to to look for them which means you just need to slow down now you have that right now you have the gift of slowing down i mean mm-hmm. there's lots of words that aren't in the vocabulary anymore like traffic jam like that's not a word <laughs> uh late isn't used as often as it was rush hour hump day i mean we got a ton of words that just don't have any meaning right now yeah. so we have the opportunity to look at small kinds of things and to begin to wonder. The other thing we have an opportunity to do is to say, okay, now that I've kind of, the merry-go-round has slowed down. Maybe I'm not off it now. I believe in life you get the answers to the questions you ask. I think people that really begin to feel that wonder, they begin to ask different kinds of questions. You know, one of the ones I mentioned was, you know, what would it look like if it was just right? What would just right look like? And um, do I have the do I have my permission to do what a lot of adults don't do? Mm. I think it's important that we take what we believe in seriously. I do not think it's a good idea to take ourselves very seriously. Right. And one of the ways that you experience that magic, I mean, one of the things that is just extraordinary is the, the if, you look, if you look in the face and the eyes of these people that are finishing these races and you just see the absolute joy, the, just the joyfulness, this sense of, I wanted this, I worked for this and I did that and now I'm going to own it. Now, now I'm going to have it. I'm going to have it. You know, we're, you know, oftentimes we're, it's very confusing for little children, I think, with the messages, well-meaning as they are, that we many times get from the world around us. So the first thing we tell little children is they're amazing. Like, they're unbelievable. I mean, you know, they they scribble something on a piece of paper and it dry rots on the refrigerator. You know, <laughs> did you draw that? That's incredible. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> That's like amazing. So they start out thinking they're amazing. Yeah. They also start out believing that part of of learning to do something and succeeding involves failure. So when a toddler's learning to walk and they fall down, what do we say? 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know what we say, you little loser, crawl till no. you're 20. No. <laughs> we say, no, it's okay. So we learn, we learn in the beginning that failure is no big deal. It's all part of learning something. And we learn that we're amazing. Then what happens is then the, again, well-meaning as it may be, somebody flips the script on us. And this is what they tell us. The first thing they tell us is don't brag, don't talk about yourself. You'll make other people feel bad and nobody will like you. <laughs> it's, it's much worse in this culture on females than it is males. Like all little boys brag. If you're a little girl and you want to have no friends, brag. And and little boys and little girls um, interact socially in a different way. Little boys interact in hierarchy. So if little boy A doesn't like little boy B, punches him in the nose. They get that worked out. And in about two days, they're friends again. Little girl A doesn't like little girl B. She talks to little girl C, D, and E and says, we don't like her, do we? She can't come to our party, can she? So we learn very quickly don't talk about yourself. Don't, don't tell people, people aren't going to like you if you do that. And then the second thing we learn is, and you better not fail because you don't ever have to get an F in school for it to look like that's not, doesn't seem like a good idea. Those people don't seem to be having a good time. And so we learn to be adults and we say, okay, I want something to be joyful. Okay, well, to do that, I have to be not conscious. Oh my gosh, I'm taught to I'm taught to be self-conscious about just about everything. Um, I have to basically allow myself to feel really good. Well, that's I don't know. People might not like me if I feel too good. So you gotta throw that out of the window and say, you know what? I'm gonna have this moment because I'm gonna have this moment, and I'm gonna have it because because this is what I want to do right now. I'm not gonna hurt anybody. I just want to be happy and I'm going to work to surround myself with people who um, are going to be okay with that happiness too. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's a joyful, joyful moment. Um, Oh, I've been at the finish line at races, you know, when people have finished with a minute or two and there's not a dry eye in the house. And it's the fact that they did that and the energy is there. So you want to, you know, we become like the people with whom we associate. So if you want to have a life that has a little more joy and a little more wonder, you need to figure out who you're going to be around and find people that are safe to talk about this. You know, and, you know, and, you know, what's the next thing you want to do and what makes you really happy? We, we look at this word happy like it's almost derisively. We think there's two kinds of people in the world, people that are happy, you know, they're happy, but we think of them like Peter Pan. Well, they're not yeah. real adults. I mean, they're not real official adults. I mean, you know, they don't have any <laughs> responsibilities, you know, because, you know, I wish I could be happy, but, you know, I have to earn a living and I have to pay bills and, you know, I have to make sure the trains run on time. But, you know, if I had, if oh, if I had their last name or if I had their talent or their money, I could be happy too, I guess, as opposed to basically looking at this thing and say, wait a minute. What if that's not true? What if it's not true that there's, Ordinary people and extraordinary people, because that's what we're taught. You know, most people are ordinary. They just we just kind of bump into walls and kind of get through life the best we can. And then there's like the amazing people, but we don't get to be one of them. Well, here's the problem. Every once in a while, every once in a while, one of the ordinary people in our lives does something extraordinary and completely messes us up. It's like, uh oh, mm -hmm. what happens? What if it's true that ordinary people are doing extraordinary things? Then why am I not doing my extraordinary things? 
if we're because we all actually are extraordinary, every one of us. I mean, you are the only you that there's ever been. That's true. Ever. <laughs> like ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. And there will never be another you. So therefore, the rules about what directs your life, we couldn't have written them because you were never here. So any rule that we now I'm not anti-rule. I mean, I stop on red sure. and go on green. You know, but I made a decision years ago that one of the things I was going to do to bring joyfulness and magic into my life was that I was going to say, you know what? If I wasn't in the room when they made the rule, I don't know if it's my rule. I'm going to have to think about that. So, for example, when I started my business, one of the rules I was not involved in was the working five days a week. I thought that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. I'm like, why is it? I mean, (laughs) pardon me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I had stuff to do. I mean, it's like, you yeah, know, come on. you know, and at the time, you know, Rachel and her brother, you know, she has a, you know, there was a caboose that came years later, but Rachel and her brother, uh, Zach were almost delayed twins. So Nancy was a stay at home mom and I was the show. And I guarantee you when it came time to buy groceries, they did not say, did you self-actualize this month? Or did you have a happy <laughs> month? I mean, because if you didn't, don't worry about it. No no mortgage for you this month. I mean, no, I had to live in the world with everyone else. But I said, you know what? That's not my rule. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take all my energy figuring out how I'm going to solve that problem. It takes enough energy to solve the problem without siphoning off energy about what if the problem's not solved. My energy goes to solving the problem. And if the problem is like, how can I be more joyful? You know, one of the things I've, I've figured out a long time ago, I think all of us has, all of us has a secret sauce. We all, we all have, a, we all have a, a magic part of ourselves. We all have that special something. One of mine is, you know, I'm not necessarily the, 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 brightest, the, the brightest bulb in the box. But let me tell you something. I'm nervy. I will contact anybody about anything. You know, <laughs> I find somebody that's a world expert in my field. I don't want to read their book. I want to know them. And so I right. go know these people. I go find them and I hang out with them and I get to sit at their knee and hear their stuff. And, you know, we email back and forth and they just are so incredibly wise. They make my head hurt. And it's just amazing. And I look at these things and I say, you know, uh, you know, I've been in business, you know, you're talking to the entire organization right here. I mean, I've been, you know, we're all, we all showed up for this. This was such an important thing. I insisted that all hands be on deck for this phone call. And I look at this and I say, you know what, if I'm going to be by myself, I want to be entertained and amused. You know, I mean, I talk to fascinating people that tell me fascinating things and I have the privilege to help them solve some of their issues. I mean, why would I not do that? People have said, when are you going to retire? I'm like, to what? <laughs> well, you can do what you want. No, you don't understand. I said this stuff 40 years ago to do what I want. You've been doing what you want. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, why would I want to not do that? That's cool. I mean, you know, at an arbitrary age, my friends aren't going to stop being my friends. At an arbitrary age, I'm not going to stop liking to eat what I like. Why would I stop wanting to do something that brings me this joy? You know, I mean, I think of our lives as sort of as sort of having five parts. There's a working place, a learning piece, a playing piece, a relationship piece, and a spiritual piece. And when and it's not 20% for each one. Different people sort of a lot different amount yeah. of time and energy and resources to those. But when I think about people whose lives are really working, 
I mean, they're they're really they're really clicking. They're the kind of people that just you know you know. So funny, like Rachel. I mean, I look at Rachel and I'm just like, wow, she's amazing. And I'm like, totally. yeah, I think, yeah, we 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 know her. We you know we got to hang yeah. out with her. And I look at this <laughs> and I'm like, you know, she's on she's firing on all cylinders all the time. And at the end of the day, if 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 it's actually been working for me, this is what's happened. Um, I I will have been doing some work, um, but I learned something for sure. And there was an element of playfulness about it, and it was certainly relational, and I really felt that I was doing what I'm here to do. So it checks all the boxes. And at that point, you know, at that point, that's when we begin to feel whole and and complete and and in touch and really, truly connected. Because, you know, at, you know, when all this is over, it's just relationships. There's not, you know... You never saw any, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul. We're not taking any of this stuff anywhere. So, you know, you kind of look at this and it's like, you know, you know, you know, you know, life's full of surprises. You know, things get worse before they get better. You know, you know, you know, staying positive makes it better. You know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. I mean, I, you know, I had, you know, um, I don't know if we have time for one more quick story. I have another. So, so I decided between 2016. I had, you know, I kept saying it was going to be my last one. 2010 is going to be, I had rotator cuff surgery in 2008, rehabbed that back. 2010 came back and had my best race, just fantastic, loved it, wonderful race. I said, okay, I'm done. Well, by now, Rachel's little sister, who had turned um, 18, said, Dad, would you do one with me? Yeah, okay. I mean, she'd already been doing races because, you know, monkey see, monkey do. She'd already been in, you know, she'd already been bitten by the bug a little bit. So I train her. We do one together. That's great. Now I'm done. 2014, she says, will you do one more? <laughs> okay, now I'm really done. Well, <laughs> then my son-in-law, Rachel's husband, says, I've been watching this family the whole time. I'd like to do one. Off we go. So at the end of 2016, I said, you know, I'm getting a lot of tread on the tires, and I want to mix it up a little bit. So I want to wait till I'm 70. I'll come back as the baby in my age group and I'm going to start doing half Ironman races. Much easier to train for, a lot less wear and tear. Right. So so my so my it's amazing what happens when you don't know what's going to happen. My 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 son-in-law had not done a half Ironman, so we go down to Raleigh to do the Raleigh half. Um I don't know what I was thinking. I come out of the water and barely miss the cutoff. I, that's never happened. I like, oh my goodness, that's like so embarrassing. I'm not that bad. And I get on the bike and I and the bike's my strongest suit is the bike. And I'm trying to catch these guys in my age group. I can't find any of them. And I'm like, how fast can these people be? <laughs> um, I get into town. Um, I start the run. I come home. I mean, I come back. I finish the race. I look at my time. It's okay. Uh, I have a lot of family in Raleigh. I, we go over to my cousin's house and I decide to eat pizza. Well, the next morning I thought, how did I do? I wonder how I did. Well, it turns out that, you know, these not so good times when you're younger are pretty good when you're older. It turns out I've been a second in my age group. Um, had I been at the award ceremony, cause it's a roll down, I would have qualified for the world championship. And oh, I wow. thought, Oh, I need to rethink this thing. Possibly I've gone from, I mean, I had, I had done well in shorter races before, but nothing like this. And I thought, oh, what would it be like to be a competitor and not just a participant? 
2017 comes along. The Lake Placid Half Ironman is there. This is perfect. I know this course like the back of my hand. I go up there. We're up there for the summer. I train on the course. Let's go. Be- beautiful time of year. It's um, it's the week after Labor Day. What was not beautiful was the Canadian high that came in that week that dropped the water temperature down to 61 degrees and the air mm. temperature down to the mid-30s. Oh, my gosh. I come out of the water and literally cannot feel my hands. I am in the transition area, and you know how quickly that's supposed to yeah. be. Well, the transition area takes me 25 minutes. I think my wife thought I died in there or something. I come out of the water, and I said, okay. I looked at, at Nancy and my daughter, Jane, and I said, it's not a swim meet. Off I go. I get on the course. There's no one out there. I don't mean metaphorically there's not a lot of people. I mean, it looks like a movie set. I mean, there's nobody. I mean, there's no one out there. I come out of the, I come out of the transition, and there are only 30 people left out of, out of 2,200 people that left in the transition. Wow. Um, and now I'm embarrassed. So I decide, you know what? You know, you know, it happened. Sometimes think it worse before they get better. I mean, you know, I, I, I had to uh, basically fall behind and fall behind, and fall behind. I stayed focused. I got out of there and I said, OK, let's come up with a plan. And my plan was let's count bikes. How many people can you pass? I start counting 50, 100, 200, 300. I pass about 350 people on the bike. Off I go to the run. I, you know, I basically said, you know, if 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 it's going to get better. I got to get it better. It's not going to just get better on its own. And the most amazing thing happened. So after starting the race um, out of, I think it was like 2,160 people or something. I was like 2,130 or something. I passed 300 people on the bike. I passed um, another 350 on the run. All told about 600 and made the podium in the fifth spot. And, you know, you know, my, I have a, I have a, a I have a, a friend who's a 78 year old Ironman. He's, you know, I need something to look up to. So when I get older, <laughs> when I grow up, I know what when I you need grow to up, be. Yeah. yeah. And he loves to say adversity fosters success. And, you know, I looked at that and I said, you know, that's just, you know, the, you know, you know, you know, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You know, maybe what happened is that when people were trying to figure this thing out, maybe they got up on the wrong foot. Maybe somebody doesn't know what to do next with their work. Maybe they're still having a hard time communicating on their team. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. You know, maybe somebody had a marriage, got off to a rocky start, maybe they have a great relationship. Maybe once upon a time they moved somewhere, but they didn't know anybody, they ended up making great friends. You know, success in to me in large measures, how you handle adversity, you know, that, you know, that, that is the, that's the hallmark. So, you know, it's really, you know, all we can do is the best we can do. And I've never been a big fan in sports of, of that team overachieved. I'm like, no, they didn't overachieve. You underestimated them. They just achieved. How can they, how can it be beyond them if they did it? It's like, (laughs) How can they overachieve? They achieved and you didn't they think achieved. they could do it. So, you know, that was more you're underestimating them. And so I look at this, you know, and I just think right now that that what's going on? We have this great opportunity. You know, I, 
I just go back to how I basically live my life. That age is a number. I mean, the number now just gets goofy for me. It doesn't even have anything to yeah. do with anything. It's just, it's just a weird number now. I mean, I don't even know what it is. You know, do I mind being this age? Well, I'm not interested in the alternative. But you know, <laughs> I mean, I have enormous energy. You know, you take care of the machine. You know, that's exactly right. You know. You take care of the machine, the machine will take care of you. It's an amazing a, a, adaptive kind of thing if you'll take care of it. And so, you know, I believe age is a number. I believe there's no expiration date on dreams. I really don't. I just think, you know, I think it's I think it's done when you say it's done, you know, and, and it's not and it's not done, you know. And, and I think and I think, you know, you know, one of the you know, in the Iron Man world, you know, one of the one of the taglines is, you know, anything is possible. I really believe that in large measure. I, you know, I believe magic's real. I think anything is possible, and I think when you begin to to live your life that way, it just opens all kinds of possibility. Those things coming together is where you basically begin to experience that magic. I think you're so right, and I tell you what, this is um, there's so much wisdom in what you're saying, and it's very practical, and it's wonderful to hear things laid out. Also, in this. In the form of a story, the storytelling aspect, I think, really hits people in creating, when you're telling people principles of, of how to do things and how to be successful and within the course of a story, it's always, I always think it's very well received. Rachel and I talked about this yesterday that you want to get somebody to change their idea. Don't throw a bunch of science and data at them. Tell them a right. story. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're, we're our, we, are a, we are a species of storytellers. You know, yes. we, we basically, you know, before we wrote anything down, we had griots that would basically tell the stories and mm -hmm. these stories, you know. And, I, and the other thing I, I so agree with you. And what I would add to that is, and everybody has a story. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody has, a, everybody has a story of something amazing they've done. I believe that we are all blind to our own excellence to some degree. Mm. I don't think that any of us knows really because we don't know what it's like to not be us. I mean, it's like, you That's know, true. Uh, That's true. You know, yeah. you know, because we, we've only, you know, uh, Ted Williams, who the, uh, uh, the, the, the baseball the player, yeah. yes, who was the last player to uh, bat over 400 in a season. Ted Williams was before the Washington Nationals were in Washington, the Washington Senators were there. And there's a story. He had, and Ted Williams was the manager of the Washington Senators for about three years after he retired as a player. And there's a story of he, he was in spring training. He's watching this kid in the batting cage. And you, the kid is just flailing at the ball. And Ted Williams doesn't say anything. Finally, he just can't take it anymore. He goes up to the kid and he takes the bat and he goes, son, all you do is you just hit the ball. And the kid looks at him, he goes, no, all you do is just hit the ball. <laughs> you know, it's like, Ted, you batted 407. You know, yeah. It's like, no, like, what are you talking about? But so many times we say, you know, well, that's so easy. Well, yeah, so easy for everybody is easy for. But to be able to say that somebody is like, so tell me, you know, was working with somebody not long ago. He was struggling with being able to confront somebody. I said to him, tell me a time in your life where you just had a tremendous success. And he lit up. He said, I lost 150 pounds and have kept it off for two years. I said, there we go. There now. Now we're going to mine that thing. We're going to mine that for gold. How did you do that? And we found out how he did it. He basically, he didn't try to lose it in one day. He just focused yeah. each day on something he could do a little bit. I found that he was getting ahead of himself in the conversation. He was psyching himself out. He was, of course, creating a conversation that didn't exist, you know. Um, and basically he was able to look at this and say, you know what, um, if I just take this one 
step at a time. And we kind of laid out, you know, st- you know, state the facts as you know them, tell your story as you know it, and then ask how the other person sees it. You know, just th- those those three steps. And, you know, basically then, you know, ask them what they need, ask them what they like. And he did that. And he was like, you know, it worked. Well, part of the reason is that reality can't match our imagination ever. I mean, you know, reality is, is limited by time and space. We can imagine anything. And, right. you know, for some reason that I'll never be wise enough to know, in the absence of not knowing, we make up bad stuff. I mean, why don't you make up good stuff? That's not true either, but that feels a lot better, <laughs> you know. You know, what if it doesn't work? Well, then it won't work. You know, it's like, why? I'll say to somebody, why don't you worry you're going to break your arm every day for the next 10 years? And then when you do break your arm, it won't hurt as much. No, it won't. It'll hurt as much as it hurts. It's still going to hurt. (laughs) But you just wasted 10 years now. So it's like, you know, just look at the world and say, you know, what good thing can happen today? And what can I do to make it happen? And a lot of times it's just reaching out and saying, what's something I can do for another human being today? Mm -hmm. You know, what's something I can do to bring a little joy into their lives? Well, it's like you said, and I think this was, and I've written down a lot of things that I'm like, I tend to like, especially when someone like yourself comes on and you have so much knowledge and these wonderful stories, I just love to listen and let the person talk and, and put out all that energy. And I wrote that success leaves clues. Oh. And man, that, that, that hit me pretty hard that because yeah. it made me think about the things that I have felt have been successful in my life. And mm-hmm. there have been clues as to yes. why it has been successful. If I evaluate, yeah. I examine why I did well at this, there have been a litany of clues, a trail of clues that have directed me towards that success. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And it's just a matter of taking those and inventorying them and saying, okay, what really worked? You know, one, you know, when, you know, you know, whenever we have competed in an athletic event, one of the things we go in with is a knowledge of what we need to do. I, I make notes after every race mm. and the race and the notes are, the notes are never what I did wrong. The notes are, what right. would I do differently? What would I do if I had it to do differently? What would I do? And some of the things, of course, I had no control over, you know, I always have control over how I respond, but I don't have control over everything that's going to happen. So I mean, nobody asked me about the weather, you know, the weather, nobody, you know, <laughs> sure. I, you know, I got into transition a few years ago. I walk in there and I had a flat and I hadn't given myself quite enough time because I can change a flat, but like I need, a, you know, I need a few minutes. And so luckily there, you know, the bike aid was there. So I just said, Hey, can you pop there? Cause I got to go to kick me out of transition in a minute. So, you know, and I learned you need to spend a little more time next time in transition, you know? So, yeah. you know, I don't think it's what happens to you. I think it's what you learn from what happens to you that turns the kind of person you're going to be, you know, cause every one of us have things that have happened to us, you know? Yeah. I don't think that's unique. Everybody's had things sure. that have happened, sure. but the inventorying to inventory yeah. the clues about success. I think it's a, uh, it's just something I haven't heard, although I've been, I'm very kind of like conscious of the things you're mm-hmm. saying, but really taking an inventory or just saying that word inventory, you know, how do yeah. we look at it? How do we, okay, let me build a wall here of what I've done and let me, how do I replicate this? Right, this and, right. You know? Yeah. And you want to be, you want to be brutally honest with yourself, but you have to do it in a non-judgmental way. You know, I'm not in the water going, you dummy, why are you out? Well, not, not sure. I'm not doing any good. I'm in the I no. got to get out of the water. You know, it's like, you know, why didn't I know what I didn't know? Because if I'd known what I didn't know, I wouldn't have done what I did. Well, I, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess you, I guess you wouldn't have. Right. Exactly. 
Well, it's amazing stuff. Uh, Michael, I mean, I could go on forever about this. This oh. is, uh, you have amazing stories. Thanks, Derek. Um, you have an incredible family, of course. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I am so excited. I'm going to release both you and your daughter's podcast on the same day. Oh, fantastic. That would be, be amazing. So cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. And you That'd know what? Thank Happy you. 70th birthday on June. 7th. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been so much fun spending time with you. I so appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I uh, would love to chat with you again, stay connected love with to. you and grow a friendship. To. And um, love to. Oh, yeah, neat person to know. Great. I'm like we'll you. I want to know the person. I don't want to just like, you know, kind of speak to him. I want to know him, you know. Well, we're going to need to know each other then, it looks like to me. I, I think gonna, that's true. We're going to need to make that happen then. I like it. Let's make it happen. We are going to make it happen. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank Dave. you. Appreciate it. All right. It. You be well. You too. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.